Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome back to Collateral Gaming, the only gaming podcast that matters. Uh, we're diving back into some fun stuff today, but first off, I am Megan Gomez. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is part two of our episode on Hellblade Sinua's Sacrifice. If you didn't listen to part one, listen to part one first, or else this may not make a lot of sense. Yeah, no one at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, take it away, Megan. Oh my gosh, so we have a lot to get into. So first off, um, I found it so cute because Alan picked up the game right after we started talking about the episode because we've got a couple days before we move, so we're not working right now. Um, and I get home from my last day of work and he's sitting there like loading up Senua and I was like, oh my god. Um, can I just say for a game released in 2014, wow. Oh yeah, Graphics, it still looks great. Graphics even to this day is just beautiful. I was shocked because there's a lot of games that came out in 2014. You're like, dang, this didn't age well. Like three years post Skyrim. And, you know, you're looking at this game and you're like, what are these even from the same decade? Like, what is going on? It's like it's insanity. It's such a beautiful game. So pretty. Yeah. 100%. Also, if you have surround sound speakers, which we have like a sound bar and it's got like the its own subwoofer, even without the headset, which is highly recommended when you do play this game, you can still hear all the little whispers and trepidations of the people in their head. It's so crazy. Even on its own sound bar, it still sounds ridiculous. Like this game is just, oh. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, the the we didn't really get into the presentation of the game. I think that's worth talking about, like you said, because mm-hmm. uh, the graphics still feel great, you know, seven, what is it, eight years later? Yeah. Eight years, yeah. And, you know, so the, the sound design is incredible. Um, who's the soundtrack by, composed by, I think? I don't know this one for the first time in my life. Sequel? Let's 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 find out and see. Let's do a little investigation, yes. A little bit of research, yeah. Uh oh, I just loaded up the game FAQs page. That's not going to help us very much. David Garcia and Andy La I don't want to butcher this, but I think it's La Plegua. La Pega? La Piega? I don't know. La Plega? I, I'm looking at it too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Oh, it's on Unreal Engine 4. Okay. Yeah, and Hellblade 2 Sinuous Saga is going to all uh, be made in Unreal Engine 5. That's what oh they're my God. developing it with. But I think someone else is doing the soundtrack. Uh, let's see. Hel- Halon. Oh, I'm sorry. This was released in 2017. Okay. That actually makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, how is this? I saw something that said 2014, and I was like, I feel like it's a lot newer than that, but I don't doubt it. I mean. Yeah. It, it, when you said that, it surprised me. It genuinely surprised me because, yeah. But no, no. 2017. That doesn't make it any less impressive, mind no, you. None. But yeah, I think I remember reading that as well. Um, so in the, the feature that... I'm I'm real I'm stoned as fuck right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm not even gonna judge you for that, bro. Yeah, no, I wanted to also kind of talk about the gameplay a little a little bit more. You know, I actually I held myself back a little bit on the previous part. You know, I wanted to to yeah. to really get into some tidbits here in the second section, which uh I mean, first of all, we mentioned it in the last episode, but the game is uh uses very minimal little to no ui at all in fact there's Mm -hmm. really no hud to speak of in the game pretty much no yeah 
I mean, the only UI elements are, uh, I think, you know, like whenever you see the focus charge up, and even that is like a rune that's hanging on Sinua's body. So it's really not UI. It's it's used in the environment. Uh, so this game really gives you that full sense of immersion. And, and like we said before, you have to rely instead on the Furies, the voices in, in Sinua's head that are telling her. And li- like we mentioned before, are often unreliable. But at least in combat, mm-hmm. they're all you fucking have. Behind you? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I think when they Every say behind time. you, that's always true. But... <laughs> And also just the combat element of this is very interesting because there's like, you know, in a lot of games, for example, um, Alan and I have picked back up a Jedi Fallen Order because who wouldn't after the announcement of a freaking sequel? Hello. Um, There's health bars in all the enemies. Cal has his health bar. Like there's a lot of games where things have health bars. These guys don't. They just drop dead. You're like, oh, I'm done killing them. Cool. Yeah. Next part. Like you never know when they're going to die. You just relentlessly slash your sword at somebody until they're dead, which is really weird but it, it also makes sense like she doesn't like in this full state of psychosis she's just she's just going for it she's like you're in my way get the fuck out of my way i don't give a fuck it's like oh okay that's fine yeah these beings that probably aren't there i think those are the most obvious illusions that yeah. exist is you know because the sword just appears out of nowhere she does she's not carrying a sword it's like her fighting against you know i guess metaphorical representations of her mind state turned into for her a literal manifestation of those things and i you know that's really beautiful but i like how uh, like you said there are no health bars i mean when the enemies are close to to death they'll often look fatigued and you can tell they're not yeah defending themselves they're kind of on the ground heaving so you know and usually the voices will tell you finish it you know Yes, and that's something that I think is so cool that Ninja Theory did because it's not traditional. It's not at all because, you know, even even, you know, in games like Elden Ring, for example, there's a health bar and you, you know, it's like, oh, I've completed phase one of this. It's like they just slowly get slower and they stagger like that's something that's got to be difficult to add into a game. Like not only are you adding the element of combat with no UI, none of this, but you're adding in just this element of literal just fight to the death. Like there's no logistics about it it's literally just slashing and crashing and all of this stuff and they literally slowly die like in a real battle which is just insane because it's like i haven't seen many developers do anything like this ever pretty yeah. much everything in every game like it's pretty much like a meme now like a health bar is like something like you can get it on a sticker and you know like you have hearts for zelda and all that stuff like this is a game where you don't have that and it's so extra the enemies don't have health bar and you don't have a health bar nope. and you know that's that's uh the again the only the way that you can tell is that when Senua seems to be uh more ragged and is and is uh, reacting slowly when she's really close to death you know she's like her breathing on, changes too yeah and her she's leaning on her sword and you know you can't even pull off all, all of the attacks that you normally can do um and the voices will start saying you know she's close to death she's close to death but what i think is really cool is when the enemy hits what would be the finishing blow what it what kills off the rest of her health bar that you don't see um is is uh you get a second chance and if you rapidly press uh a button then Senoa will get up i i mean i mashed x i don't know if there was a correct option or if there were other <laughs> options i just maxed x because it's the dodge button on ps poor so <laughs> fair enough because this game that's the thing also that i love about this game is you know a lot of the games we talk about they're very intense storyline games with multiple options like you were just talking about how like the sword magically appears like aloy in the intro sequence i was so confused when a rope just came out of her ass like fucking spider-man <laughs> <laughs> but you know you don't get like a traditional introduction sequence you don't get any of that like you literally just go right into it that's it like you walk through like you, you know she's walking and you're getting familiar with the controls but it's not like like, hey, press X to dodge. Press this to jump. There's none of that. It's just figure no, it the fuck out, boy. <laughs> you have to pause the game and look at the menu. I remembered yep. having to do that uh, yep. just to kind of get a, a feel for the controls. Um, and, and the only help you usually get is that they'll be like, focus, focus. Yeah, you can do it. And like, okay, if you go to the pause menu and you go look it up and you see that the right trigger is focus, then you're like, okay. Um, or maybe you're one of those people that just start testing out the controls the second you have got the co- the controller in your hands. That's me. You know, and so. 10 out of 10. Yeah. So, so either way, you figure it out and you learn, okay, that's the focus button. That's what that does. 
You know, and and like I said before, most of the gameplay outside of combat is just that, walking around and focusing on things to solve puzzles, whether that's Mm -hmm. finding runes in the environment or focusing on something specific to trigger an event or, you know, focusing on uh, broken bridges and shit from a different perspective to form it back together or just literally walking through these archways, especially in the Valraven segment. Where they uh, and I think it comes back in in uh, one of the the trials, mm-hmm. and uh, that actually kind of tripped me out a little bit. Sometimes I wasn't quite sure what to do because you go through the archway one way and it wouldn't do anything, and then you go through it the other way and it wouldn't do anything, and then you try it again and it like like a USB <laughs> co- connector. It's like that it's janky like... headphone cord when <laughs> yes. you're in middle school, like wrapping it around your phone. <laughs> And you're like, what? What? Did I break the game? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, there were a couple moments in the game, actually, where I, I noticed a, a little bit of glitchiness. Nothing game-breaking. Nothing like on the level of like Assassin's Creed, which is a game developed by Ubisoft, whereas this is a team of 20 or so developers. Yeah. You know, technically, you know, uh, uh, in, in some sense, an independent game, but not really. <laughs> yeah, no, and, it, and it's amazing that such a small team did this and, and the fact that, you know, you've got huge games like Assassin's Creed and there's little to no glitches. Like, even in freaking Horizon, Aloy's sitting there doing a 10-second dance party after freaking Rebels are killed. It's like, okay, all right. That's, and that's, that's a big fucking game, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but... and it makes sense, you know, and they, they have patches, but this game, they're just like, all right. Here you go. This is our game. And we're like, oh, well, okay. That's what makes it different, I think, is they focus on quality over quantity. Like we said before, mm-hmm. it's not very long. You could probably get through this in one sitting if you wanted to. If you really wanted to, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you could do like, I don't know, a three-hour stream and probably get through the whole story. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But <laughs> it doesn't it, it doesn't feel very long, um, especially, I guess, if you know what you're doing. But uh, there and there's not a lot. It's a very linear path and this world isn't very big. And so that's what allows Ninja Theory to craft just an amazing experience all throughout. And one that Mm -hmm. due in part to its challenge will still keep you there as long and not knowing what the fuck to do because it gives you almost no direction. This game will keep you busy. When I say this game could be completed as quickly as three hours, I mean, that's an estimate based on if you really know this game but if you have like a hyper fixation on it yeah i'd say you could spend a good 10 to 15 hours on this your first playthrough oh yeah especially if you're actually trying to go for like all the lore stones and you're like me you're checking other forks in the pathway just to see if there's anywhere else to go or something else to do Mm -hmm. 100 (laughs) percent. we're both completionists we know this i'm sorry guys i'm not the type to blare through a game i'm just not i didn't get the uh the trophy for the lore stones though so i i must have missed a couple somewhere. I'll have to go back and run through. I don't know if this game has a new game plus or if it just keeps track of everything and so that you can just go after know. the ones. I don't know. I've never really tried to go back into it. I've always just completed it and then made a new game. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think a new game plus wouldn't make much sense, but like if, well, I mean, Sido could carry her the badass sword she gets at the end, I guess, but um, Maybe, yeah. That would be the only thing. But really, the main thing is just if there was some way to keep track of the collectibles, in this case, the lore stones, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. And if if there was a way, because, you know, sometimes you put down a game and you don't pick it up for a while. Um, For for example, you've got uh, Mass Effect, where they've got all of that lore where you, you know, if you if you stop for a little bit, you can pick it back up and you, you can figure out what's going on with Senua. It's just like, all right, let's keep going. It's like, what the fuck happened? Where am I? What's going on? Like, there's none of that. But um, I know we also did talk about um, what we wanted for the sequel. I don't know if we're ready to talk about that yet, but I did read it. some stuff um, that's very, very interesting. And I did pull up an article before we started recording. Um, so... In an interview with Spanish site Vandal, combat designer uh, Juan Fernandez says that um, we are raising the bar by doing more with less. We have more people than with the first Hellblade, but the quality that we are giving is through the roof compared to teams behind similar titles, which already makes me more excited, but also just makes me wonder what else they could do. Because this game really isn't, it isn't a lot, but it's impacted so many people and it's on game pass. It's it's talked about a lot, actually. Um, It's, it's one of those games where it's, it's underrated and it's very, very unique. Um, And, you know, with, with the gaming industry, the way that it is, you know, there's a lot of things that fall into niches. There's things that fall into groups. Um, And, and this is on its own, it's underrated and it's, it doesn't have its own category. It's just Senua. 
Um, so, so, you know, I, I'm kind of interested to see where they're going to go with the sequel because there's a lot of ways that this can go. Um, and there's going to be more people than just Senua. So how does she deal with outside people? How does she deal with, you know, her own psychosis going through this? Mind you, this is during like a Viking age time. So there's no like freaking psychiatrist. And, you know, I, I it also makes me wonder, like, are we going to get more coordination with this uh, mental health specialist that's like going to like figure out how she's going to work with people, how she's going to talk with people? Like, I'm just so intrigued to see what they're going to do. And I love the fact that they're so dedicated to this, even though it's an indie game. I'm just it makes me so happy as a gamer because there's a lot of things out there that they're just pushing forward to make their money. We've talked about this with Anthem, Cyberpunk. There's a lot of games out there that have not done very well. And for them to continue what they're doing, knowing that this game isn't the most popular game on the planet, and yet they still want to continue it and make an amazing title is is really inspiring. And it's really, really cool because there's not a lot of developers out there like that anymore. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because if you look at Ninja Theory's other projects... You know, like, uh, they did the Devil May Cry reboot, I know. Uh, yes. I remember that coming out. I never played it, and I haven't actually played the original Devil, Devil May Cry games either, but I've always wanted to. And, and in fact, the reboot kind of stood out to me. It looked kind of cool, but I don't know how well-received it ended up being. I I don't know, because that's not really a game series that I've picked up Um you know, it's just mm. not one of the not one of the things that I've done. Um, I know that they were founded in the early two thousands, um, and this was their first self published title. Um, looks like they haven't done much though. They were acquired by Microsoft in twenty eighteen, so they're now a subsidiary of Microsoft Studios. I remember Heavenly Sword. I remember that demo in GameStop. Mm -hmm. that, that was something that they did, uh, and that was on the PS three. In fact. That's in Heroes. If you watch the TV series Heroes, and uh, I, I want to say like season two or three, there's uh, I, uh, one of the characters is playing a heavenly, heavenly sword. <laughs> yeah, like you said, they're a, a subsidiary now. So that's they're a subsidiary of of Microsoft. Microsoft now? Studios. Mm -hmm. Huh. So well, that doesn't bode well. Well, no, because uh, I think the... They were acquired during E3. Really? They uh, they had announced that they entered into an agreement to God acquire Ninja Theory alongside it. three other studios. What? Yeah, it is true. Hellblade 2 is going to be only on Xbox and PC. Mm -hmm. And specifically only Xbox Series X and S. God fucking mm -hmm. damn it. Alrighty, I'm probably going to have to get a Series S then. That's probably going to be my I, best I option. I will say... They're worth it, you know, for, for, and this is going to deviate a little bit from the topic here, but seeing as how this is tying into the sequel a little bit, I will say, um, being a, a gamer and, you know, growing up primarily on PlayStation, um, and, and Nintendo products, getting my first Xbox was a lot of fun. And while there is a lot of social gaming on Xbox, they do have a lot of great titles and they honestly are a really good bang for your buck because not only do you get the Xbox itself, you also are going to pay a bit more for the for the live and stuff like that, as you would with PlayStation um, and, you know, paying for things for Steam and all that stuff. Um, but you really do get a lot for what you're paying for every month. Like this game and hundreds of other games are on the Game Pass. And I understand that PlayStation is trying to move that way. But the fact that they're actually giving this a chance to be a PlayStation or a Xbox exclusive is very, very good for the series, too, because gamers get bored. I'll admit it. I'll be the first one to admit that I have a lot of unfinished games and Whenever you hear news about a new exclusive, if it's the type of game that you would play, it piques your interest. So I'm I'm excited for for Senua to be an exclusive because that's going to give this series more more um, what am I trying to publicity. Well, and I I think it works because we have really great high quality titles on uh, on the PlayStation side already. Yeah, and a lot of big titles coming too. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess you're right. I think it's good that Microsoft, I guess, has a series now besides Halos, Halo and Gears. Um, it's just, I guess it's disappointing if you're not, uh, if you played it on PlayStation and you're not planning on yeah. getting an Xbox. But, you know, like like we said before, the ultimate goal with any of us who are working on the podcast is to have both all the yeah. consoles because yeah. you know you're just gonna have to and to miss out on exclusives of either console and run a gaming podcast for it's shame. Not fun. No, so no, no fun. I, I think 
I'm actually okay with it. One, PS5s are hard to find. I don't know when they're going to become available. And they're more expensive. And when I get the PS5, I'm going to get the full thing. I'm going to get the regular, not the digital edition. But with the Xbox, I'll get the Series S. You know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like from what I've experienced with the Series S, because our, our buddy has the Series X and our other friend has a Series S and uh, Alan just bought one. Um, I, I It's worth it. It's so much worth it. It was like, I think we got an open box at Best Buy for like 280 bucks. It runs. I, I'm not even kidding. For that price point, which is not a lot compared to a lot of the other consoles that are out there. It's it's It was less expensive than a Switch. It's the same amount as a Switch. Um, It's 10 times better as a digital console than the Xbox one ever was. I don't know what happened. I don't know what the kind of turbo fire they got from that little snail in that Disney or Pixar movie, but cool, man, they did it. And it is quiet. It's very small. And for the people that like small things, it's a little baby console. It's so cute. It's not, it's not even, it's like a little bit bigger than a internet router. It's so tiny. It's so cute. It's amazing. Yeah, and if it'll run Hellblade 2, because I, I, I've seen what is on Xbox Series X and S, you know, and what it's capable of. And if the sequel is going to run on that, it's going to be fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, and, you know, with, with the best kind of PC that you can get. I mean, I'm sure oh. the tech specs requirements are going to be off the walls because it's going to be a console exclusive. With the graphics enhanced, bro. Oh, I'm going to faint just talking about it. Yeah. Or <laughs> a, a, a next generation or current generation exclusive i guess Uh, i'm glad that we're actually seeing that i think we mentioned this in the news segment of the last episode maybe but you know having it's okay that we've had you know that that we're going to have games that are now going to be uh current gen exclusive because well one pcs you can upgrade your pc and run it you know Mm -hmm. uh two though because you're getting the most out of games that way yeah You're, you're not holding back your games yeah, and that's one thing, you know, like, there's a lot of, you know, stigma around having the best, having the newest, you know, and all of that, but as a gamer, it's always important to, like, give the devs the respect, and, like, that's not saying that if you have a lower-level console, like, that's, that's, that's a problem, like, I am still playing Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West on my PlayStation 4, it still works, it still goes, and, you know, you don't necessarily have to give up your other console because you bought a new one, but I understand if you want to sell it for the new one, you know, by all means, but... Um, I, I think it's a good thing because it's like, when you think about it, consoles, when you buy a console or a PC for gaming, you're investing in a hobby time because this is the time that people can use, you know, to get away from school, to get away from work, to get away from the problems in life. And that's the, the biggest aspect of gaming is being able to just get out of your own life and get into a different one and get away from your problems and your stresses and your troubles and all the things that are going on in the world right now, especially, you know, recently besides Johnny Depp winning that trial boy. Um, (laughs) we stand Johnny on this podcast. If you don't, bye bye. Um, (laughs) um, but I, I think it's really good that, you know, we're getting things like this that are pushing us all to, you know, open the envelope and see what else is going to come out for consoles. I mean, just alone with the Oculus, I just, Oh, those things are mind blowing. I've only ever played with them like once or twice, but good Lord, they're terrifying. I'm scared of them. Because, like, there's going to come a day when things are just covering up our faces and we're going to be able to talk about, you know, the transition from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5 and how it was drawn out and how, you know, they've done all these amazing, capable things on these consoles. And it's such it's such a worthy investment. Always invest in gaming if that's what you love. You know, this game would might actually be kind of cool in Oculus. <laughs> it uh, is. Wait, they it's have available. A- it's available in VR. What? There is a if, VR? Okay, I mm-hmm, didn't know. Cause mm-hmm. I wonder how and I wonder how this plays on Switch. This would scare the shit out of me on VR. I've never played it, but I do know that it is available. On Switch it would be kind of interesting. Cause you cause they just added the software capability to add a Bluetooth headset because you had to plug one in before. Right, which means that the the, the uh, hardware was there. <laughs> you you don't add Bluetooth functionality to your console by accident. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Apple CarPlay. Like my car's a 2021, and and they have the CarPlay, and they just came out with wireless CarPlay. I'm like, bro, can you just give me the software? <laughs> like, well, not it, fair. It's got to have the hardware to run it. It's got to have Bluetooth capabilities. Yeah. So yeah. All, all that meant was them, you know, activating the firmware so that it's possible. Yeah. Exactly. Chrysler, you can do your job now, please, friends. I spent 50 grand on this damn thing. <laughs> but now, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I wonder how this game plays on Switch because I, I considered playing it 
on Switch. Um, and I asked you about it. I said, you know, is this a game do you think would be a better experience though on on PS4? Like, is it worth it? Because that's something that Zach had told me about Outlast. He told me like, don't play it on Switch. Just get it on PS4. Yeah. You, know, you don't want a, a toned down version. So I'm wondering how this game does play on on Switch though, because some things run just almost as well. But yeah. I'm playing on a Switch Lite, so you know, you're kind of missing out on on a lot with that. Well, yeah, because like a, a Switch, for example, can you know have the capability to play on a full screen, but it's it's a it's a um, video input, so it's not going to be the same as having like a full console running to a TV. Um, but you know, there are games out there that do work very well. Like for example, Plague Tale, it's it's a cloud based um, software for that game, but it does play incredibly well on the Switch. But I think there are a, game, a lot of games that just wouldn't make sense on it, you know, because it, it like it while it is fun to have Skyrim portable. There is so much in that game that I have not picked it up because I'm like, how am I going to see all that shit on that tiny little screen? Like, how am I going to know that a freaking it on mud crab? When we did I, our I, episode. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know how you could just, like see them damn little mud crabs just coming up and Rah! it's like really, really, bro. I'm like a level 100 dragonborn. I'm the leader of the freaking thieves guild and the dark brotherhood. And you really going to come after my ass? Like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's on a tidy screen. It probably would be better on, on if I had a, a switch that could go full screen, but yeah, at least it ran well. Cause it was originally a game on, uh, you know, last generation consoles or previous, previous generation consoles. I should say, like I was going to say it started on ago. the freaking PS3 and Xbox. It was on the 360 and on the PS3. So whichever, generation of gaming that was was it six or seven i don't remember bethesda's really proving that they can uh, go cross console and uh, have uh, remasters huh <laughs> uh, yeah exactly um but yeah no and uh, i'm surprised that uh I- i'm not surprised because this game like i said this game is pretty small i imagine it's not a huge file actually probably not. so that's no. probably why it can run on switch so i i, I guess i'd be i'd if I ever come across any more money and it's, you know, we're getting close to like the Hellblade two episode. I mean, Hey, maybe I might pick it up on switch and replay it that way and see what it's like. But, um, yeah, I'm actually glad though. I played it on PS4. You know, I had the full screen and I, I, of course I played with headphones so that you can get the 3d sound that is, I think, uh, necessary for the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a very immersive game, right? Like we talked about this in the episode, this game literally like pulls you out of your own body and consciousness and literally puts you into Senua's. Like you have to be seated in a seat with the headset on. Like that's the best way to play this game to get the full immersive experience of feeling like people are talking in your own head. You're seeing this through Senua's eyes. Like that's the best way to play it. So like, I know that it is available on switch, but like, if you want the best gameplay, get it on a console for sure dope yeah for sure um or at least you know from what i can tell i mean like i said i'll depending on the switch version pending but if you want to experience this game in its full value and i think that's important because like i said this game stresses quality um i'd love to see i'd love to see a current gen uh remaster or port of this you know like enhanced either an enhanced port or, or a remaster um yeah, like for example, Jedi Fallen Order got a remaster for Xbox and S, uh, X, C, X and S. Oh lord, this is going to be a difficult transition for me. <sighs> and it's been two years. <laughs> well, I think they're kind of going for like you can just call it Xbox. You know? Yeah. So as as far as the uh, the gameplay goes, you know, but besides. Well, actually, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the combat because, um, you know, we mentioned how Sinua always kind of gets that uh, that second wind mechanic where she can she can, you know, mash button. But eventually that runs out or maybe maybe, you know, she that's the equivalent of her having a little bit of a health bar left. And so that can be, you know, yeah, like an adrenaline up. rush. So it, but anyway, that eventually you eventually will die. And, you know, you'll notice the rot will move up Sinua's arm. Uh, it never does actually cover her entire body during the n- normal gameplay. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that on the last episode. They're over here fooling us. <laughs> but uh, and also the focus can be used in combat, and you have to you have to charge it up over time. But by parrying and dodging successfully, yeah, this is another a lot of parrying and dodging. Parry. <laughs> That's what it is. It's parrying, dodge. There's there's a there's parrying, there's dodging, there's and of course regular blocking but you know mm-hmm. if you're going to block you might as well parry uh there's a light attack a strong attack and uh uh a, a shield breaker 
you know, a kick. Yeah. And yes, there are parts of the game where you can kick people off the cliffs. The only thing that would make it better is if she did like a Spartan kick for those animations. Oh my god, that would be great because she's such a bad bitch that it would be just be ah. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. She may be, uh, she may be dealing through her own mind, but Spartan kicking somebody wouldn't be the the worst of her problems, that's for sure. And it won't matter if it's if it's like, necess- if it's like uh, culturally, uh, uh, what's the word? Accurate, historically accurate of the picked warriors. This is all in her head anyway, guys. So let's say in the in the sequel, she makes up. She 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 can, you know, imagine more advanced moves in her brain. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Let her, let her be, be a epic. bad bitch in her psychosis, okay? We, we live for that shit. into words. That moment when you look into the eyes of the one who is supposed to reassure you, make you feel safe. It only takes an instant. Fear swallows you before you have a chance to make sense of it. And darkness becomes a part of who you are. Her world changed that day when the Northwind took him from her. Senua knows that there is no going back to how things were, that there is nothing to go back to at all. Stay still, stay quiet, hide and don't around. Their gods can see into your mind. They will use this power to destroy you. They won't stop me. I can still feel it. Whatever's left of him, they will never let him go. I'm not gonna let him rot here! You're the one rotting here. Leave me alone. You will die here. No! And all your suffering will have been for nothing! But yeah, no, I think that, uh, yeah, that that's actually a lot of fun, but yeah, I like how over time by, you know, fighting successfully and doing, you know, successfully dodging and attacking enemies or parrying them, uh, builds up your charge or builds up your focus. And usually the, the voices will tell you focus when it's full so that you can use it. Uh, and, uh, you'll actually, cinema will move a lot faster and so you can kind of like just zip from enemy to enemy. That's what I do. I'll slash, 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 slash tilt the the stick to you know to move her aim to the other enemy you know attack 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 swipe 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 you know and then i'll just you know go run over to somebody else holding the charge button and then you know i'll just keep doing that as much as possible and she's just a beast uh when she's in that uh that uh focused state and everything moves slower in relation to her so it's a lot easier to dodge attacks it is though. Like like the honestly, this is like for me, playing this game reminds me of playing as Kirby on Super Smash Brothers. Like just you're uh, you're butt mashing. Like full admit it, like this is butt mashing, but they make it so artful that it doesn't make you feel as bad for button mashing, which oh, it's is so, so much fun. fluid. And you can yeah, even chain is. together combos and be smart about it if you want, you know. But I, I was mostly button mashing too. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even lie to you. Like I button mashed the shit out of this game. 
but there were there were systems you know it was like you know dodge and and light light attack mash uh parry and strong attack uh if they're saying finish him then a lot of times that was going to be like a charge and and strong attack you know and i liked uh doing a lot of the sprint attacks too those were nice because usually you could catch an enemy guard with you know one of the 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 sprinting light attacks and she'll just fucking stab him you know and it's fast. Exactly. It usually cancels out whatever they're doing. <laughs> it's like, ah, fuck you. And and what's nice is that you can suck at combat too and just get hit down to the ground. Mash X to get back up and okay, you're cool. <laughs> so I actually, in, in the time that you were talking, which I was listening, I promise. Um, so they weren't the type to be that warlike. Like they, they, they like, so picks were Celtish um, in, in actually looking at the the map of where their their territories were it is very similar to what we see in the game so it looks like she was just like literally wandering through the wilderness of her kingdom they were not the most warlike people but they were fearsome warriors so <clears throat> we could have had a spartan kick thank you very much in theory i'm waiting for that in the sequel let's so, go so it actually makes a lot of sense you know she's an outcast of a more uh peaceful uh tribe which makes sense why they were wiped out by the northmen if i'm not mistaken all of the enemies are are northmen in the game but those their manifestations yes. of uh her guilt and her um her fear you know, and, and that's ultimately what she's overcoming. So, you know, obviously, but all the enemies are going to be... Uh, it was actually the Romans. Distorted. Oh, they're Romans. Okay. Uh-huh. Julius Caesar himself was fascinated by the culture. Upon meeting them in battle, he recorded that they dye themselves with wood, which produces a blue color and makes their appearance in battle more terrible. They wear long hair and shave every part of the body, save the head and the upper lip. So, wow. Okay. So they did a lot of research on these people in development of the game, which goes to show more even a team of 20 people made her look historically accurate, made her seem like her villages, uh, people, and, and made her like a fearsome woman who has all this internal time. I'm just, wow. Wow. Ninja Theory, you have my heart now. I love you. Yeah, no, they did their research in a lot of ways, you know, as far as the mental health aspect goes and as well as the, the cultural historical aspect goes. Which um, going into the the combat, does that makes me wonder, is this the type of sword style that we would see a Pict using? Because it's not typical sword style that you would see like a Greek or Roman use because they, they it looks different. Like, the way that she parries is a little bit, like, I'm going to say weird because it's not what I'm used to, but, like, you know, she she parries a little bit weird. The way she carries her sword is not, like, typical of what you'd see in, like, British or Greek or Roman or anything like that. It's 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 a little bit off, and I was always kind of weirded out by that, but seeing as how they did research on it, that makes sense. This might actually be, like, Pictish combat. Yeah. I mean, I mostly noticed the Norse influences. Yeah. So that that's and and that's I guess you know where most of it, which I guess makes sense because Druth was uh, a slave of the Northmen. So whether I don't know if if Sinua's tribe would have believed in the Norse gods, but it makes sense that Druth would have, and he's the one who tells all the stories, and and that's what she that's what she seems to believe. So it, it may I I would think that that's what she was upbring. Well, so the picks were in modern-day Scotland. So, I mean, Celtic runes and, and um, Nordic runes are very similar, but there are quite a few differences if you look at them very, very harshly. Because, like, for example, my, my father's side of the family is Swedish, um, and then my mom's side of the family is Celtic. So, like, you can kind of – you can see that there it's, – it's very slight because they were very similar, um, just kind of like Native American tribes. You know, there's a lot of paintings that look very similar, but they're different. So it, 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 it does make sense, especially if it's during the time that they're being taken over and they're being, you know, just decimated as a tribe, you know, that they would have influences of other of other cultures in, in their runes. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's kind of all all related so to speak you know mm-hmm. um and and maybe you know there are some gods that they share in common because the game definitely does focus on the norse gods you know uh i've never heard of vel raven before actually that's one i'm not aware of but cert hella obviously hello uh, yeah and i'm not talking about kate blanchett oh love her <laughs> hot as hell 
<laughs> That's not the way that hell is portrayed in this game. No, 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 no. And Fenrir is not just some random dog who runs on a bridge, but that's a story for another time, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fenrir in this game is uh, like a nightmarish beast. Yeah, uh, yeah. And also, arguably, the hardest fight of the game. Uh, he is, though, but he's a big baby. He's such a big baby. I would say inarguably because, you know, he, that dude, just, that is the, the most difficult boss fight. For some reason, not all of her attacks were hitting when I was going through it. I did finish it oh, no. in one go though. I don't oh, think really? I ever died. No. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I think focus was good. It was handy to have focus charged up and don't use it right away because when he, he could, he can turn all the lights out and, and you know, make it completely dark and then you can't see where the fuck he is. He is so a terrifying you, dude, even in focus, mythology in this game. <laughs> if you focus, you can see him again. So that's why it's handy to keep to keep that, you know, charged up and to use it whenever you need to. Um, but yeah, I still had a difficult time with him. He took forever. Hela's actually easy because she doesn't fight you herself, which maybe is some kind of, there's some kind of allegory there. I'm not sure, but um, especially with how like the ending cutscene turns out which i guess we'll probably talk about but uh just that fight in general you're just fighting hordes of enemies and what i think is cool is that when is it, it's actually a little bit easier and i'm talking about the first phase right now it's a little bit easier than uh the whole fight with him, a lot yes. of the other fights because although you are bombarded by a lot of enemies cinema is a lot stronger it's like she has focus turned on permanently or something she's yes. fast and she it kills most enemies in you know just a couple hits she's so, so agile it's insane i'm like bro how are you bending like that right now which is cool because the second phase what you have to do is actually let yourself die at that point the enemies apparently are unending they will never stop they'll continue to regenerate and so it's kind of like yeah it's kind of fun to 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 push a off as, as long as you can as kill as many as you can before you go down but uh eventually you go down just let cinema go down and this the, the voices will even tell you they're like let go let go you know and and then mm -hmm. that's the end of it is cinema lets go of her regret lets go of her desire to uh to avenge to, Dillian. not avenge him but to, to resurrect him to bring him yeah. back because that's her accepting his loss that's that's her going through uh the final stage of grief, of grief and accepting yeah. it and i think that's so beautiful because grief it it and we talked about this a lot in the last episode the last episode we talked a lot about the mental health aspect and and you know a lot of things in this game that are you know heavy topics and i and i know we wanted to get that out of the way before getting into the actual um logistic elements of this game and you know like gameplay and combat and god the graphics and sounds and stuff like that um but but that's something that i did want to touch on because i knew we would talk about the latter part of the game in this episode is it's the most interesting perspective of grief I think I've ever seen because grief is so different for everyone. Everyone deals with it differently. How you handle even just different people's deaths in your life um, is, is always perceived differently. Like for example, I, I had a, a friend who um, he was uh, a volunteer firefighter and uh, rolled his truck eight times. And that, that was a very devastating death for me. And I was inconsolable. I was so upset. My aunt passed last year and it, it was, it was like, I, I went through grief very, very quickly. Um, and, and it wasn't as hard for me and, it, and it's not because I had experience with death, but it just felt easier and every death is going to feel different. And I, I think different that everybody, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the way that she dealt with it, um, and, and the ending is just, it, it's beautiful. Like that's the, that's the best word I can use for her accepting and, and completely dealing with Dillian's losses. She just, she's just like, okay. Okay. So is 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 there is it possible then that the different sections of the game maybe even represent the stages of grief? I mean, if you think about it, you know, could the Valraven segment be denial? Could cert was associated with fire be anger and bargaining be the section until you get defeated by Hela and then depression would be that moment after where she contemplates suicide and then she goes through yeah. the sea of corpses and uh, the voice in her head the entire time is telling her that uh, she can't, um, yeah. that she can't do shit. And, and, you know, she's lost her sword. She has to, to, you know, re reforge that and, or, or get a, the new sword, you know, and then acceptance would be the very end of the game. I think so because you know in in that last part right before you're getting to to the final segment she's really like why am I doing this 
I just, she wants to literally, like, she pretty much, like, almost says, like, I want to go and curl up in a ball and never get up, pretty yeah. much. Like, she's, she's, and it's, it's the fourth stage of depression, which is the fourth stage of grief, which is depression. I think, I think it does go through the five stages. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the way that I see it because you know that pl- that walk on on you know kind of on the not the beach but I guess the shore uh under the bridge you know uh, is uh is depression and her just kind of chasing after Dillian through all of the trials is her I guess overcoming her depression uh and then you know once she's remade the sword she has to fight her way through the the corpses who are all trying to keep her down and keep her in depression continuing to tell her but she's fighting through it you know um and then i guess the next section of the game would be the process of acceptance which doesn't fu- finally culminate until the very last cutscene mm-hmm. when uh and i think it's beautiful how you know hella who you never actually directly fight at any point um ends up becoming senua Yep. Hella, you know, you see Hella drop uh, Dillian's head and then the camera pans away and it comes back after uh, Dillian's head is, her skull has fallen all the way, you know, through um, towards the bottom, towards some seemingly endless pit, you know, (laughs) Uh, the camera pans back up towards who was once Hella and in her place is Sinua. And it's it's Mm -hmm. demonstrating Sinua threw the skull down accepting Dillian's death and that's mm-hmm. just beautiful I love how this communicates so much and there's no real dialogue in this game to speak of Sinua never talks to anybody besides the voices in her head mm-hmm. exactly and you find out that she she pretty much her and herself and her mind were the antagonist the whole time and it shows you just just the toll that your own brain can do on you and and it's it's so heavy but it's so beautiful. Like the way that this game is, this is just incredible. And also you said, you know, yourself, you know, that there's not a lot of dialogue in this game. I'm excited for the sequel because Senua actually talks to people. I want to see what her interaction is like with other people. Definitely looks like that because in the trailer, we saw her interacting what appeared to be with other warriors. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's not clear whether those are real or not because there's also some fucking monster shit coming out. And I guess that can't be real. That has to be in her head because it's fantasy, but they're reacting to it too. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And then that begs the question, you know, what's real and what's not. Yeah, and maybe because, the next I mean, game won't tell us either, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that's the thing that kind of surprised me when they said that they were announcing a sequel, because it's like, this was the loss of Dillian and, and the love of her life and accepting the death of him and his blood eagle and the death of her mother and her understanding that she's not in control and that she's not going to be in control ever of anything that happens in her life, and that's just the way that life is. I wonder how it's going to translate in the second game, because... It shows her interacting with people. It shows this other unrelenting force and and other influences that are also going to be with the Furies and with Druth. So I I definitely want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm more excited to follow Senua's story. You know, she's such a compelling character and she's just an incredible force. Um, you know, like like I like I said a, a couple minutes ago, the picks, you know, they weren't very gruesome and warsome but they were fearless warriors and it wasn't just the men it was the women too um and and this is something that you know is also known in viking culture and in nordic culture is women are not considered weak in a lot of places um they're they're considered very very strong um and and you know i i'm definitely looking to see you know she is an outcast but how has she redeemed herself since accepting dillian's loss like where are we going to go from here right because she's still suffering from psychosis. You don't just go through a psychosis because you're losing somebody. Like that's that's a lifelong thing. Uh, that's that's you know a very very severe form. You know sometimes happening from trauma. Sometimes it's genetic, like we said in the last one, because her mom had some issues. Um, we 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 don't know where it's going to go from here. But like, does she learn how to control the voices in her head to interact with other people? Does she become a full member of her tribe? Where do we go from here? <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go in the sequel. Uh, I'm interested to see the technical capabilities. I'm interested to see if they expand on any of the gameplay, you know, because I feel like this game did, you know, progressively complicate the puzzles. You know, the puzzles were were, were progressively more difficult and more, um, 
more multi-stepped. They required, you know, more thinking and, um, uh, you know, over time. So how do you top that? You know, they've got to become, you know, increasingly more complex somehow. And yet that guy said in that interview, we're looking to do more with less. Like, what yeah. are you guys going to do? Yeah, and are they going to use like, the same uh, basic puzzle types? Doubt it. They're probably going to go with some new shit. They're going to up the if, ante, bro. If they're going to up it. New shit. Uh, I like, uh, in particular, I think that the, the sections where she's getting the, going through the trials were really fun. Because, you know, they kind of uh, would focus on a specific type of puzzle element. Or they would... Uh, you know, take something away from you and force mm -hmm. you to play it a certain way. Uh, and in not any one of those was there any combat. It, it was all puzzle-based. I loved all the puzzle parts. I'm a big puzzle fan, though. I we all too. know this. <laughs> I love yeah, puzzles. Same. I'm like, yay, puzzle! <laughs> Except for the water temple and freaking uh, Twilight Princess. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... Uh, I guess let's get into our final thoughts here. Uh, yeah. Starting with you, Megan. Okay. Uh, final thoughts. Um, if you're looking for something that's definitely independent, it's a little bit more indie than what we, we typically talk about. And um, just an incredible, beautiful game that not only deals with the heavy elements of loss and grief, but also, um, you know, mental health and, um, you know, seeing the perspective of, you know, different types of mental health and uh, different mental um, diseases and issues and, and a game that's just so beautiful and handling that and handling it respectfully and having a great timeline with little to no elements to help you. But yet it does in its own way. This this is the game for you. This this game is is one of its own. Um, you know, there's a lot of games that we said are very unique, but Senua is it, she is her own. She is not like Aloy. She is not like Calcastus. She's not like any of the characters we talked about. She is a very harrowing, dark, yet ethereal character. And I think she's something that you definitely should spend. She's a, she's a character you should spend some time with. Definitely a good game to give you retrospective as well. And, and, and you know, if you're looking for a way to escape from grief and, and find your way through the stages of grief, this is a great game for you. 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think that this game is definitely something I recommend. Although if you are dealing with mental illness, I mean, I, I guess I, I should say, uh, should apply a trigger warning, you know, obviously yeah. this game has a, uh, has a, a depiction of, uh, well, not a depiction of suicide, but it, it very, uh, intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it definitely has a depiction of contemplation of suicide. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's very obvious, you know, and, and, and talking about it with the voices in her head. So obviously if, uh, and multiple other types of, of triggers. So obviously if you're somebody who's dealing with something and uh, somehow you got through this entire episode of us talking about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We talked about some heavy shit, bro. Um, but you don't think that you're up to playing it, then yeah, don't. But other than that, if you are a uh, you know reasonably adjusted person who's not dealing with anything you know too horribly right now, which is interesting because you know I deal with depression, anxiety, but <laughs> I feel yeah. pretty stable, so I played it and I was okay. But yeah. I could definitely see this being you know a little bit harder, a little triggering, people. yeah, yeah, because I I deal with anxiety and I I did get a little anxious. I was like, <laughs> okay, I need to calm down. I need to put the controller down. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could see states in my life where I, I maybe wouldn't want to play this. Yeah. But I'm glad that I did right now. And so for anybody else that is not dealing directly with that right now, uh, you know, then, uh, yeah, go for it. It's a fantastic experience. I recommend it to anybody because, like I said before, uh, as far as gameplay goes, it's very accessible. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's something that if it if, if you're not a gamer but you want to experience that you can and I think that uh, it was very telling that the people involved were uh, people of all ages you know I saw people that I, at first glance I guess I just wouldn't think they were gamers they seem to not be the primary demographic although who knows maybe they are gamers but you know the people that were involved in this game were impressed with the results and mm -hmm. um whether or not, well, you know, whether they watch someone play it or whether they played it themselves, and I think that's very telling. That almost anybody I think could pick this up, and it's hard. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong, but you because and it, it gives you almost no direction. <laughs> yeah, they don't hold your hand at all. 
but I, I don't feel like it requires the experience that most hardcore games would. Yeah, like you don't need a whole tutorial sequence like you do in, in Horizon or Skyrim or any of that. Like you just you just go into it. And that's kind of great, too. You know, it's it's not it's not the kind of game where, you know, there's like a two hour intro sequence looking at you, Twilight Princess. Um, but but it's it's a game where you can just anybody can look at it. Anybody can play it. And that's that's so cool. You know, that's not that's not something that we see a lot nowadays. You know, there are there are games out there that give you your cheesy intros and, you know, stuff like that. But it's it's not required for this game. And I find that so much fun. I find it great that you can just. All right, let's go. You know, we, we I heard a friend talking about it. I've never really played video games. I'm going to play this game. I love that. It just throws you into it, which is which is something that a lot of people will will, you know, highlight as a, a feature of a of a a hardcore game is one that has very little tutorial and just throws into the world. But what's nice about this game is it does have the pause menu with the second you hit pause, you have a view of the controls and, um, and no other menus to deal with other than that. And it yeah. also has, I believe accessibility options. So, you yes. know, it's very much, you know, it, it's very, it's very possible, you know, to, to pick it up and play it even without the direction, all of the resources are there. And uh, even more, if, if you need it for your particular uh, handicap or, or disability uh, on top of that, the combat while difficult is forgiving. Yes. 100%. And, and, and yeah. Oh, go for it. Go for it. And, I was saying, and, 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 and puzzle solving is only as hard as puzzle solving can be. That's never been something that, you know, it, it particularly denotes, uh, having to be good at video games it's as good as a logic puzzle would be (laughs) yeah it's not going to be like cod where it just drops you in and you have no idea what the hell you're doing you you can figure it out very easily and even if it's a difficult puzzle there's a lot of games that will give you nudges and there's a little nudge it's it's not that it's 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 it's, you're gonna hear it from a voice in her head but you'll get it you'll get it eventually Yeah, yeah, there's several, and there's several visual cues as well. You know, finding yes. the runes in the environment would have been impossible if it didn't actually tell you. So some, some of it is just walking around and waiting for an indication that, oh, hey, the rune that this rune is in this area, and you know, act, a visual indication of what you're looking for. And sometimes it was a little bit hard still, but um, it, this isn't a game that I really felt like, uh, aside from maybe a couple times I ever really had to follow a guide. You know, I tried not to. Only if I got to a part where I was genuinely stuck and I'd be like, okay, let me just, uh, you know, look it up on the internet real quick. Yeah, this is not Elden Ring, fam, and that's not me talking shit on Elden Ring. It's just that game hard, bro. That game hard. <laughs> no, that game is just like, fuck you. That game will humble you real quick. That game uh, will punish you for breathing, bro. <laughs> this game is very forgiving because, you know, like I said, in, in combat, uh, you can get up a lot of times if not yeah. infinitely depending on how much help is lost or i don't know how it's determined but um, yeah yeah you can continue to get up and even if you do die you just start that segment over again the checkpoints are pretty liberal yeah it's 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 not hard and guys i know i know that this game is is very heavy and i, I didn't speak much on the subject in my in my final thoughts but i definitely if, if you're a listener of our podcast and you and you understand um, you know a lot about what what us as cast members go through and all that stuff. I, I think it's it's a worthy game to pick up. It's on it's on the Switch. It's on I believe PlayStation as well. It's on PC I think, and it's on Game Pass. Um, so I mean you you've got you've got readily available access if you're if you're looking for something that you know we would feel pretty strongly about besides the games for, for, that you know we've talked about for a long time like Skyrim and Mass Effect that I always reference. This is a very good game. This is a game that you know I I it's it's unusual. But it's a good game for anyone, anyone to play. And that's what I love about it. That's why I picked it. 100%. Well, anyway, guys, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice. You can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, you name it. And check out our Patreon as well, where we have exclusive Let's Play video game commentaries and probably try to release some more, uh, you know, before the next season comes up. Speaking of Mm -hmm. which, this season's coming to an end. Our next episode will be our season finale on Fire Emblem. Yeah, specifically uh, Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade, as it is later retroactively titled. Uh, And uh, but when it came out in the States originally, it was just fire emblem was the first one released in the united states and so on on the gba so to speak fire emblem 7 if that helps narrow it down for you japanese game players that are listening to this podcast in english hey they're cooler than us they get exclusive content that we never will 
Yeah, like no. Final Fantasy, or not Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star. Final Fantasy 2. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 was like the third or fourth game that was released in the United States. That's just where yeah. they went, fuck it. And they decided to stop renaming them, and they just magically caught up to the, the, the Japanese fan japanese numbering system but there, yeah, there are several final fantasy games although they most of them have probably been uh remade or, or remastered or ported at some point but uh fire emblem that isn't the case i know not every single game uh they've remade uh everything starting from i think the well they've only remade the first three games and localized them so yeah we still have like four through six uh fire emblem games that have never been uh and I think the last Fire Emblem remake three also was uh, was has, wasn't released in the United States. Oh fuck that! Localize cool all enough. your games. We're not cool. It's fine. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, actually, I think that's genuinely a thing, though. I think, like, especially in the past. I mean, you see this less now, but uh, Japanese have definitely had kind of an attitude of american gamers wouldn't enjoy this or wouldn't understand this or this would be too hard for them which sometimes feels a little patronizing but at the same time it's like yeah you're probably right bro <laughs> <laughs> uh, it happens a lot less now but for instance that's why super mario brothers 2 uh in the united states was a reskin of doki doki panic and we never got that it was le- legitimately deemed too hard we're just not cool enough it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Check out our uh, season finale on Collateral Cinema as well. We talked about Sidekicks featuring Chuck Norris and Jonathan Brandis. It's basically the Karate Kid, except uh, uh, Jonathan Brandis has uh, these really realistic hallucinations of Chuck Norris. It's fine. Yeah. It's Chuck Norris. Who wouldn't so, want to hallucinate about Chuck Norris? He's a man. Oh, yeah. No, there Texas are plenty Ranger, of bro. Chuck Norris jokes in the episode, by the way. That was obligatory. Oh. You know, We brought 2007 back. It's okay. This is why I love y'all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, so I guess that's really all there is to say. Anything else to plug, Megan? Um, I'm going to be definitely trying to do some more content coming up whenever we get um, to our new place. We're uh, currently in the process of moving, so um, this will be the last episode before we're in our new home. Um, and I definitely want to get some stuff out there. I just don't, there's just not enough square footage in this tiny little apartment. Um, I know that we had talked about, um, Agony being on um, this episode, he was unfortunately just not able to do it because of some scheduling conflicts. Uh, but definitely check him out on Twitch, uh, Agony.Rising. He is a freaking hilarious guy, and I love him to death. Um, and other than that, yeah, um, definitely stay tuned. We're going to be dropping the finale soon, but we've got some exciting content coming up in the next season. Y'all, y'all, y'all going to be, we're going to knock off your socks, guys. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and while uh, Victims and Villains was, wasn't with us physically because of our own inability to uh, communicate in a timely and effective manner before the episode, and then I chickened out because it got too early, too close to the episode, um, <laughs> we'll probably still plug you guys in the uh, description and in the, in the podcast notes because uh, that's a fantastic resource to check out. On that note, if you are somebody that is struggling with any kind of mental illness, we want to take this particular episode to emphasize that uh, you are not alone and there are plenty of resources again our friends at victims and villains have a whole host of resources there is the uh, national suicide hotline i don't you had that pulled up on the last part do you have that yes i do cool yeah megan will plug that um that's a fantastic resource i know it's something i feel like i could have used at some point i just was too stupid to do it um i i take that back it's not undone intelligence it's just you know it's like our own pride getting in the way you know <laughs> It is. Um, so the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is um, 1-800-273-8255. Um, if, if you're not comfortable with talking on the phone, they do have a chat feature. Um, and also us here on uh, in all of Collateral Media, we are here for you. Don't ever be scared to reach out. We will definitely, you know, talk to you for as long as you need. We're here for you. Um, and, and we definitely, you know, as much as you support us, we want to support you back. So anything that you guys need, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to plug those in the show notes of the episode as well so that you guys can have that stuff. Uh, also, we did actually just get a message from Mr. Josh, Captain Nostalgia Berkey, that uh, uh, we'll, he wants us to do something in September. So, Yay, another marathon! Uh, let's see, a pledge drive is actually what he said. Oh, and okay. We would be doing a live podcast again, so... Let's go, baby! Yeah, excited to announce that as well. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about it in 
whatever Collateral Cinema episode comes next. Uh, and we like love I s- you, victims and villains. <laughs> yeah, we love you. We're here in spirit. Maybe I'll ask them to shoot, send me a promo or something. Heck so, yeah. So that we can uh, we can throw that in our... All of our fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, guys, that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez. This has been Collateral Gaming, and we are out. Goodbye! Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.